This is Sports Content Kings, talking to today's brightest minds in sports and entertainment. Welcome to Sports Content Kings, brought to you by WSC Sports, a podcast dedicated to today's brightest minds in sports, figuring out the latest trends and technologies shaping the industry. I'm Aviv, one of the founders of WSC Sports and Chief Business Development Officer. Happy to be here together with my brother. I'm Shaka, I'm VP Business Development at WSC Sports, and we are the Arnon Brothers. And today we are joined by Dave Lehansky. He is EVP Business Development and Innovation at the NHL. This has been a great conversation. Dave is a longtime partner and friend, and we thank him for coming, and we hope you all enjoy. Dave, how's it going? Very good to see you. What's up? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Good to see you. It's been a while. Great to see you guys. It has been a while. It has been a while, and I'm so happy that you could share your time to get some of the insights and in, uh, what uh, has been in your mind and on your mind in the past few years and what's coming in the future. Uh, you've been a veteran of the NHL for a long time. I think it would be good and appropriate if we'll let you just introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, my title currently is Executive Vice President of Business Development and Innovation. I've been at the league for 18 seasons now. I think this is my 18th season or 18 you know, and a half uh, years, something like that, which is mind-boggling. Uh, I was just in a meeting where we were going around the table with how long people have been there. And the person who was second, I was last, the person who was second last says, and, and I've been here eight years. And everyone in the table was, the room was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh boy, add the decade onto that. And that's how long I've been at the league. And boy, it's in some ways it's gone by so fast. It's incredible. Badge of honor, no? Yeah, yeah for being sure. Being such a veteran. Yeah. For sure. And um, I also think I have a kind of a unique story to tell just even about that. You know, when I, my first year at the NHL was the I joined basically the first season after the full season lockout um, of the 2004-2005 season. In some ways, it was almost a little bit like starting from scratch at that point, right? It was a whole year. Gary likes to say, you know, there aren't many, if any, businesses in the world that have completely shut down for a full year and then came right back the next year operating as if, you know, sort of to some degree, nothing had changed. But so from that point to today, what hasn't changed is how good the game is, but in every other way, it's changed. The, the org has changed, our offices are changed, so many things have changed, all for the better. So it's been a great 18 seasons, and yeah, I'm excited. You've been through such a long time at the league, so you've seen it go through a lot of these uh, developments, you've seen technology, you've been personally involved in shaping it over the last 18 years now. So. So what have you seen changing over the years? And let's focusing on the technology, let's say, the technology side of the business. But not only, if you have any interesting uh, insights around it, please please do share. Sure. From a broad standpoint, I mean, from a, tech, well, from a technology standpoint, it's unbelievable how much has changed in that time. And not even, you know, you have to go back 18 years, right? If you, 10 years, we still were pretty much like most leagues focused on linear distribution, streaming, having a pretty good website, right? And that's it, right? And my gosh, like how much it has changed in just that time with regard to the way in which people are consuming all things, but certainly sports. And the behavior patterns are varying more by audience and demographic than they ever have been before, right? And going back even those 10 years, you know, yeah, how would a 50-year-old person consume the NHL? How would a 20-year-old person consume the NHL? They'd be different, but not that different. Today, they're very different, right? 
So the way our fans are consuming is completely different. It's probably both driven by and also the result of the technology evolution that's occurred as well and the many, many ways that they can now can consume it. So it's like a different world to some degree. And that's how I got into this role. There was no innovation department at the NHL 18, 10, even eight years ago, but it was born from the proliferation of all these new things emerging. And in some cases, the challenges that they create, in most cases, the opportunities that they create. And just from an NHL standpoint, I think the biggest change here is the recognition of the benefit of taking risk, right? Of the willingness to take risks. And even outside technology, like the Winter Classic, right? The first Winter Classic, it was it's kind of a risk. We're going to a neutral site. We're contracting with a stadium. There's weather risks. There's insurance risks. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that can happen to, where you outlay all this capital, all these resources for this thing to happen, and it might not happen. But huge success. Here we are, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, and it's still a success. And that would have never happened if Gary and, and ownership didn't take the risk to say, let's try and make this work. And that's carried through all the way into technology. And you guys know better than anyone. If you're not willing to kind of investment spend, to pilot, to test, to tinker and and like take that on without this sort of impatient need to see immediate direct results and to have the answer out of the gate, you'll never be able to fully exploit all the technology that's sitting in front of us today. So that's probably, those are probably two big, big changes. So let's tap into that a little bit more. We've met years ago now, I guess, six years ago. And I remember you having clear vision on a few things, what you want to do and what you want to achieve. And some of those were a serious investment and big risk, uh, putting a lot of overhead with a long-term vision. It wouldn't return the investment soon, anytime soon. So first of all, that a fair uh, description of, uh, of how you felt yes. five, six years ago with some of the stuff you were, you were pushing internally? Was that an experience similar to the way I described it? And second of all, um, resolve and conviction, how much was that a part of what you were doing? So it was very, it, that, that was it. You got it spot on. I mean, that's, that's um, how we felt back then. That's how I felt back then. And, you know, it was interesting. We, I mean, at that time we met, those things were mostly ideas, concepts, strategies that we were trying to bring to life. And I think what we recognized was in order to get to what I just talked about, like this place where the organization's willing to take risks and investment spend, we kind of realized they have to see it. I could be in a conference room talking to them and telling them about my ideas, our group's ideas, everyone's ideas, but you know, to really take this next step forward, they kind of have to see bits and pieces of it. And you guys know it. Like once you see something, especially someone who's kind of out of technology or like not on the periphery, it changes everything. And that's where we were. That's why that's what led me to you. I'm like, who are the best companies in the world? that can help me show some of these things that are going to happen in the future and also have the same mindset of being willing to investment spend a little bit because it's not like I had you know millions of dollars to go spend to go start hiring uh, companies to pilot things with me in the beginning. So that's where we were at the very beginning. And thanks in part to, to you guys, to WSC, to other really great partners, um, Apple, AWS, and Verizon, and SAP. But um, Slowly, with everyone sort of seeing and understanding and seeing and understanding, two things happen. You start to build momentum and those people add on. And so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, so we're kind of at a really interesting point now where we've had a number of little success stories and use cases and are making the big investments 
and kind of getting to the point where we will fully deploy. Now, we've already made a couple, like with our pocket player tracking system, mm-hmm. and we're, we're reaping benefits from that right now today. But the other non-tech part of this, which is kind of boring and uninteresting, but it's important, is thinking about the policies and procedures in your company that are in place that may need to change to get to where you want to go. Only because it's relevant to sports, a quick one on that one. We, like almost every other league, had been operating as a licensing business, you know, probably no different from the way it was set up in like 1990, you know, 80, 90, 2000, 2010. We were a licensing business. We have IP, we have content, we license it out. We rely on third parties for the most part to help us build whatever it is that we're building, our linear broadcasts, our mobile experiences. And to do some of these things where you want to investment spend to drive fan engagement or to do something that won't really pay out into the long term, you're probably not going to get a third party to want to do that, right? Most third parties are into making money first and foremost. And yeah, they care about fan growth, but only as it pertains to the term of their contract with you beyond that. like it's not. They see the short term. Was to short term. That's right. Was to bring some of the rights and assets back to us. So we could take ownership because no one's going to care as much about the future growth of the NHL as the NHL. No one's going to care as much about fan engagement as, for the NHL as the NHL. So in getting some of those, like when we first talked to you, I don't think, you know, we weren't in control of anything. We, you know, we had Bam Tech and I don't even know back then who, who was sort of running with everything that we had. And they did a great job and we needed it at the time and it was perfect. But to really kind of build and iterate and innovate and take it to the next level, You need partners who are willing to do that and are locked up long term, and you need some ownership to be able to do what you want to do. And we're there. So to tie this into what you mentioned in the beginning, the fact that the fans are now watching it differently based on their demographic and age, maybe the the most significant one, you need to build a muscle that is even stronger or more robust than existed 10 years ago. And now you're building it maybe from scratch as an NHL, as the league. You need to be able to go and serve and tap into the preferences of those 60 and 50-year-old fans and then the 25-year-olds and 15-year-olds. You need to be able to do all of that. Now you want to take this on and you're doing this and, and building this muscle to be able to do something that's w- with a much higher degree of complexity. You need to, to have more variety. It's like having several different leagues that you need to, to serve the different fan base for each of those leagues. Absolutely. And I think from a, a technology standpoint, there are a couple things that need to be in place to really be able to do that with a high degree of success. One of them is you need to have all your assets centralized in one location repository with the best possible tools sitting on top of that. So let's just say from a content standpoint with regard to video and data, you can create whatever you want in any format for any audience and distribute it in real time. That's like where you have to be. Right. So it doesn't matter if it's a highlight package for a linear network, you're going to push something out to a website, an application, the metaverse, you want to mint an NFT, you got to be able to access it and find exactly what you're looking for and edit it and produce it in real time. So that's a big thing, right? There's a lot that goes on to that. And then the second part is all the tools and functionality and production infrastructure that you need to have to be able to do that as well. And, you know, that's never going to be something that we'll fully own and control because there's always going to be third parties out there that are experts with, you know, in many cases owned proprietary technology. So so we're going to leverage that. 
but you got to have it all centralized in one place so everybody can access it. So that was another is another thing that we've been working on and, and continue to work on uh, uh, right now. Can relate to some of the things you were talking about. First, like the taking risk, you know, uh, an organization over 100 years old, taking risk like a, a new startup, right? And, and every, every step you're describing, like the fact you need to show the leadership and the, on, the owners to show them something working, it sounds a lot like our first meetings as a new business trying to pitch it, right? The elevator pitch in the beginning, but then it still sounds like some mumble story that doesn't really has any hold on reality. In reality. And then uh, when you actually show the magic happening, like you click a few buttons and see something amazing, you see the draw drop and that's where you get the, you understand that the, like we might have uh, something going here. So that's it. And that's just the beginning. That's when the, the work starts, right? So so then it's a few years of actually implementing it, making it work. And so it takes us sort of to today, like you're in the midst of it. Like this is now a few pieces coming together. You're talking about pack tracking. You're talking about a few things and technologies you bring together. There's a lot of businesses that you need to connect into all that to make it all, I don't know, a long-term strategy that fit, that comes together. Some of the things we've discussed and we've been talking throughout the years, there's been a lot of changes also in sports during those years that we've been talking, betting being regulated and other stuff that, that you're working on. You mentioned here the metaverse and other stuff. So what's the interesting things you're on today? Yeah. Well, before I answer, I just want to say that you guys were a foundational piece of the first technology showcase that we had right in Las Vegas. And the backstory on that showcase, now great. it's become a thing where our partners expect it and people are asking like, what are you going to do? You know, When's the but, next but one? But that's what that was, what you just said. <laughs> it was, that was our moment to kind of show people some of the things that we were working on. It was as much for internal purposes as it was for external, but because we decided to do it, you know, in Las Vegas during CES, it kind of grew and grew and grew and grew and became something beyond that. And we're still doing it today, but that that's exactly what that was. And we're so proud to have been there and yeah. part of it. And it was a great experience. And thank you for much, uh, so much for bringing us along. Yeah. Well, again, it's that, there's that risk part, right? You guys mm -hmm. had the guts to actually be in front of a crowd doing something live in real time with the game on the ice right next to you. Like anyone would see, you know, talk about any latency hiccup, anything, right? Like, but uh, it was phenomenal and you guys crushed it as usual. So, you know, there's so much that we're thinking about. And part of the challenge is prioritizing and saying, you know, what are we really going to focus on? We're trying to prioritize to the things that will have the biggest impact on the league. We sort of have two buckets. There's sort of the fan part of it, right? The business and the fans and the experiences that we're trying to create and expand and grow. And then there's hockey operations. Like how do we help to make the game as good as it can be on the ice for the coaches and the players and the officials? So we look at those a little bit differently, but for the most part, you guys touched on it. We're still like in the midst of that kind of journey of getting all the infrastructure in place so we can ultimately create anything that we want to create to satisfy all these new opportunities and or challenges. I think right now we're... Um, we're looking at some of the, um, you know, I guess you can call them existing metaverses or games, but, you know, Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite, like these, these worlds have a tremendous amount of activity and utilization. The numbers are certainly staggering. And so we're spending a lot of the time thinking about how we can incorporate the NHL into those experiences in a meaningful way, as well as how we can incorporate our games, our content, our IP into those environments. You guys were a big part of, of the puck and player tracking kind of launch and still are today, you know, with regard to how we use the data. But the goal was always around that system. It does 
we use it for so much now, but the real impetus was, you know, how can we use that data to create new content for fans to fuel new experiences? Maybe it'll help educate novice fans who just don't know that much about the NHL and why are these players so skilled, but also to create experiences we've never had before. So we're taking the positional data and some other third parties, a few that you guys have probably bumped heads with in the past. Some of the tech showcases are involved in helping us take that data to create three-dimensional virtual presentations of the game that just look different and are built to exist in in digital worlds, right? So it's it's the actual game is being played, but it's all digital, it's avatar based, there's unique graphics and things that happen in the course of the game, but it's all from born from the exact movements of the players and the puck as it's happening live in real time. So there are a few things that we'll you'll see there in the next couple of weeks, I think that we're gonna do with some of our partners as a kind of for the big foray. We've tested it out many times, but into maybe doing this on a more regular ongoing basis. And then I think we're really looking at certainly with our key partners, but from a mobile standpoint, how can we create additive value for fan experiences? There's nothing we wanna replace, but when you're probably in two different environments, in arena or everywhere else, what would you really wanna get that would complement your experience. And they're a little bit different. You know, I'll, I'll share one thing. It's another thing that probably hasn't changed in 30 years. When we asked our fans probably in 1990 or and still today, when you're in arena, what is it that you want more than anything? What would you like to have? Is it, would you want to know how long the, the line is at the concession stand? Would you want to know? Uh, and it's, I want a replay. Give me instant replays. I might have missed something because I went to the bathroom or because I bent down and spilled my water or for whatever reason, I'm sitting way up in the rafters in the corner and I can't see what happened in the other car. Can you, someone please give me the ability to get some replays and highlights in arena in real time. And I don't need to talk that much about True. the utility of that. I know you guys have been <laughs> thinking about that for a long time. But um, that absolutely is very high on our list for one of the many types of things that we're trying to think about with regard to how do we take this new data that we have? How do we take some of the new camera positions that we, we've just recently installed and provide fans what they really want to get to complement their experience? So can you describe the, the new cameras and how you think it will, it will play out with a player puck tracking? For people who don't know, which cameras are you talking about? How does everything connect? So... For the tracking system right now, we've got anywhere from 14 to 16 infrared cameras in the building tracking a sensor that's positioned the jersey of every player and that's manufactured inside the puck. So it's an infrared-based system, light refracts inside the sensor in the puck and the, and the player tag, and then it comes back to the, the cameras. And so we're tracking their movements all throughout the game you know, using those cameras. We've installed some cameras in a handful of arenas to pilot it out this year. We've seen enough to know that it's really good and it's something we want to you know, probably uh, continue with. So we're going to install more 8K cameras with some really powerful uh, ISO cam and crop zoom functionality that we'll use both for hockey ops and for new fan engagement purposes. And we'll even, with some of our partners, apply some optical tracking and computer vision to some of those cameras to start to uh, or further develop a solution for tracking players' limbs and the stick, right? So our, our current tracking system just tracks the location of the puck and the actual player. 
But as an example, if I was playing defense and one of you had the puck and were skating towards me, we could see with the positional data, you're skating with the puck, you're coming towards me. And then when all of a sudden we see off the data that the puck goes into the corner. Well, how did it get in the corner? Did you lose it while you were stick handling? Did I knock it away with my stick? We may not know exactly how. We'll be able to piece it together quickly, but it'll take some time. But if we were tracking stick and limb, we would know exactly what happened and how the puck got in the corner. So the cameras will do that. And we'll also use them to some degree to pilot out some other video-based experiences for fans, including how do we automate replays and highlights in arena and process them on site with mobile edge compute and put them in the, fully, you know, the hand of, of every person holding a mobile device. So just to reiterate, the, the cameras are there to be automated, the process to be automated. It's a, it's a panoramic view, and then you're using the technology, the tracking and different technologies that you put together in order to make the right cropping and see the points of interest in order to capture the, the game in the most interesting way. And that's uh, how many cameras that we're talking about? The pilot we have in place right now, it's four new positions. Mm -hmm. So it'll be at least four in every arena, but probably more than that. Top of the rink, right? It's it's close. It's, it's zoomed in. You're going to yep. see the sweat and uh, and feel the, the impact. Yeah. You will be able to. Yeah. You will be able to. Absolutely. So, I mean, you guys have seen it. Some of the camera technology now is pretty amazing. There's just low degradation on the quality of the video and pixelation. It, it's great even when you're zooming in really close. I wonder if you'll see the tooth flying towards <laughs> the camera. That's that's uh, that's going to be the that's next a replay. Gen. We'll build something in. That's They'll, the replay. It'll, it'll recognize it and it'll, it'll pan away. I mean, it, won't, yeah. it won't get that incomplete. Tracking teeth. Yeah. yeah. So you were talking about earlier about consumption patterns changing, right? About... Before that, we're talking about the change of like 50-year-olds to 20-year-olds in the 90s. Maybe it was how many hours they spend watching or if they watch it with friends or not. That was maybe the difference. But now you got to be on every platform. You, you got to have different formats and you have people tuning in or following the sports in different ways. Might be short form, might be coming in at the crunch time might be subscribing to a, a direct-to-consumer offering that you have or going on the different OTT platforms. So what's your approach to this? Like, is there, and how do you see the near future? Because this change is an ongoing developing event that we're seeing right now. So we, a year ago, we established new media partnerships with ESPN and Turner in the U.S., and we, you know, have a, a very comprehensive partnership with Rogers in Canada. And a big part of the of the new partnerships with ESPN and, and, and Turner, you know, were born from, to some degree, a commitment to continue to build and expand the overall hockey experience and distribution of hockey content. And they've both really delivered on that promise uh, from day one. So last year was the first year, but you're going to see a few things this year with regard to some of the technologies and some of the experiences we, we, just, we just talked about. You know, VR and the virtual environments and game presentations off the tracking data. Like you're going to see some of this stuff this season coming soon. So we're really excited about that and to be able to be doing some of that with you know, two of the biggest um, media companies in the world. So you're going to see some of that. But sort of separate from them, this little innovation department that we've started at the league is responsible for figuring out kind of the what else. And the what else is born from what you just said, looking at data and research to really pay attention to or try and understand what are fans looking for and what are potential new fans to the game going to be attracted to. And that's where we're really thinking about all these other new and emerging areas from NFTs and token economies 
to AR and VR, to gaming and betting, right? We can go on and on, but when you think about all these experiences, there's one common thread. It's technology, it's digital, whatever you want to call it, right? But it's mm -hmm. it's not happening in, in the real world primarily. It's happening through a mobile device or a screen. Now, the great thing is most of these experiences now, because of the technology, can be shared, right? There's a social component around it, which I think kind of takes it to a whole nother level and brings it into the real sort of, from a business analysis, something that we can really like last for a long time and you can really start to monetize. So we're really trying to think about all of that from a, from a fan standpoint. I will say this, not to, I'd be remiss, you know, uh, uh, my, my PR people would be upset at me if I didn't, you know, sort of pound our chest a little bit for only from this standpoint, the live experience in hockey is so good. It's just great. And, you know, and you, we hear that all the time. Like one of the best things and worst things I tell people that I hear it's, it's when someone who had never, has never gone to a, a, an NHL game calls me or I'm with them and they're like, oh my God. What an amazing game, especially if it's the playoffs, right? Like, oh, wow, crazy. Edge of the seat. It was amazing. It was so wonderful. That's crazy. It's unbelievable, which is, it's great, but it's sort of also on the flip side, you're like, man, it, how do we make that translate? Like, it's not coming through the screen. There's a gap. Yeah. There's a gap. And the biggest driver to some degree, at least up to today and probably going forward, for a lot of the technology that we're trying to pilot is how do we close that gap? How do we take that? amazing experience that happens and get it to translate in a better way. And in part, that was part of the basis for, um, or the uh, rationale for the tracking system as well. How do we, how do we take real time data, put it on the screen as an overlay and get someone to understand how fast they're skating, how fast the player's shooting, how quickly the goalie's reacting, those types of things, because we don't have time in our game to tell those stories. And you've probably heard these stupid analogies from me over and over, right? It's, we have 60 minutes of actual play. We have very few stoppages. There's no time to tell stories. It's all true. So technology is the thing that can help us get there. But whether it's the mobile experiences we talked about before, or even the way that we would curate some of these you know, virtual experiences, they're really going to be designed to try and capture the essence of the live game and get people to feel it more. Now, the pounding the chest part is because it's so good, attendance in the NHL is great. It hasn't wavered like since I've been at the league pretty much. Like we're always operating about 95% capacity. It's great. We're starting to see dips in other sports and consumption is still in a good place. People are still interested. They're still fans. The fans base is growing and there's but not from an attendance standpoint for some of them. Mm. So we're taking a hard look at that. Is it because of unique characteristics of the sport? It doesn't move fast enough. It's kind of slow. Or is it just, you know, my at-home experience is better. I can get what I want to get when I want to get it when I'm at home and I can't get that in the arena. And is that something technology can solve? So there's something there where there's probably the overlapping of many, many circles, you know, on a, on a Venn diagram. But we're really right now conducting a lot of research to figure out what that, that can be. So it's the two dimensions of the effort. One is closing the gap and uh, the other is making sure that the gap or the tide takes both the in arena and the home experience higher. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a third one, which really quick participation in a sport is still the biggest predictor of future fan avidity. So if mm -hmm. you play hockey, it's most likely you'll become a hockey fan or proximity to it if your daughter or son plays or if your, your brother or sister plays, right? Yeah. Well, particularly in the United States, generally speaking, every town has a baseball field, the football field, the soccer field, wow. the basketball court, but they don't have hockey rink, right? So we have this natural inherent kind of obstacle to growing the game from a participation standpoint. It's hard, but 
Now we can use technology, right, to create new experiences that will hopefully appeal to a lot of these people who may not have access to just participating in the game as their entry point into hockey. There are other ways they can experience hockey, video games and, and some of these other types of experiences that we're, we're talking about now. So how do we build those out and think about those audiences as we're building them? Makes oh, sense. Very cool. Yeah. Can you describe a little bit? I know it's adjacent to what we've been discussing so far, but I think it's been very focused on North America, right? Canada, the US, your tremendous partners over there. Can you describe a little bit the effort of growing the brand internationally, the NHL brand, and uh, how does the innovation play there? Is this uh, at the same spot or are you doing stuff that more basic? Maybe not. Can you give us some insight there? Yep. We've certainly been focusing on North America. It's the home base. It's where all the teams are based. All of our venues are based. To give you another one from our uh, our innovation roadmap, you know, we look at the arena as a theater. So that's we just talked about, right? That's where this amazing experience is taking place. Mm -hmm. What technology needs to be there to capture that experience, produce this amazing show, capture it, and then distribute it out to the rest of the world. So this whole need to invest in infrastructure and build and make sure we have everything includes the arenas as well. So there has certainly been more of a focus on North America, primarily for that reason, it's where the game is being played live. But we absolutely have had a number of successful events and initiatives throughout the world over the last decade, and are really looking to build upon that. So, you know, we've hosted many, many, many games, some exhibition, many regular season NHL games overseas as part of the Premier Series and other platforms. And of course, there are a tremendous amount of hockey fans in the Nordics and Eastern Europe and parts of the country that probably are well aware of, but we're seeing really good results in other parts of the country. Now, the trick is, you know, how can you bring that amazing experience to them during the course of a regular season where these teams have to be in North America? It's a big lift to fly, you know, two teams to another continent and get them to play a hockey game and then to come all the way back. So we're working through some of that. So there's certainly scheduling things that need to be considered, and that's you know above and beyond me. But we see a big opportunity for expansion. And some of the things about the game that I just mentioned that were are kind of restrictive, like we don't have time to tell stories. It's 60 minutes of actual play. Those are also things that make the game super compelling, right? It's tons of action. You know, it's not going to take four hours, right? There's a lot of uh, events hits, shots, saves, right, that happen, and you're not these slow periods where you're waiting for things. Yeah. So what we've seen is in other parts of the world where maybe hockey isn't, you know, one of the major sports from a participation standpoint, like Australia, there's a ton of interest because the tenets of the sport are there and it's something that they like. And it might be analogous to some of the other sports that they like, like, you know, rugby or Australian football, whatever it might be, or in other countries, different types of sports. There's a lot of similarity between hockey and soccer, but, you know, obviously differences too. And so, yeah, we think that there is nothing but tremendous upside for us when we start to think more about what we can do globally. And again, without the ability to really right now have the ability to play a lot of games in those markets, it's going to, you know, technology is going to be a big driver of what the NHL experience is mm -hmm. overseas and in other parts of the world. All right. I think part of the solution for that would be that challenge that you described to capture that amazing experience in the stadium, in the arena, in the, in the rink, and bring it to the digital world. And once, once it's there, then it's a... Uh, It's borderless. Then you can experience that in Europe. Then you can capture it in a virtual environment when 
if it's uh, happening overnight in Europe, they can wake up in the morning and, and see it as if it's live. And it's one of the ways to, to get and create new fans. So you're absolutely right. And I'm going to, you know, another compliment to you guys, um, because you've been helping us with this for, for quite some time and, and you certainly understand the challenges, but also the solution that, you know, you've got to curate those experiences for those audiences. Right. And for, I think a, a while, many leagues were just sort of saying, we'll take what's here, we'll plop it over there and it'll be a success. Well, maybe a little bit, but not exactly, right? right. Localize it. They have different interests. Yeah, the story so of the local hero, if there's an international player or stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And it's changed everything, right? It completely changes everything. So um, we've learned a little bit along the way too, needless to say. But I think, again, between the know-how and the technology, yeah, there's a huge global opportunity. I think in general, the trend for the home experience, the viewing experience is giving the fans more control. They want more control. They, they're used to more control. Whatever they do, they want to see what they want to see. You know, the SVOD world is not like, uh, you know, the linear world of, uh, of the 90s. And it, uh, it just becomes more and more obvious that the fan wants to see just what they want to see. And even in the live experience. So when you go to the arena, you have at least some control on where you're going to watch the game from. You can choose the seat if you were early enough and you have the you can afford it. So you have control in that. And as a viewer from your living room, you don't. But with what you've been building, that's just one example. Maybe you will give them the control one day. Okay, switch to camera behind the goalie, right? Uh, just uh, sitting uh, on top of the rink. Maybe track this player. Maybe I'll switch as I watch and uh, replays with recaps, everything. I, I will have a different view and experience than my peers. You know we're, we're on the same page with that. We've been talking about this for a long time. And the technology's here. It's just a matter of all these leagues and sports and teams and everyone and the ecosystem working through the landscape right now of who has the right to do this and who has the right to stream that and who has the right to produce this app and that app. But eventually, really soon, I think, that's what the primary experience is going to be. It's going to be a customizable, personalized streaming experience. And each of the three of us are going to have something that's going to be very similar and very different, yeah. right? It's the same game, but we'll watch different camera angles and different audio inputs and different graphical overlays. And, you know, uh, we'll be playing, uh, one of us will be playing games, one of us will be betting, we'll all be social networking together. Like, mm -hmm. that's it. That's where it's going. And you yeah. see this when you even just watch, when I watch my nine-year-old son and the way he, he uses some of the gaming platforms, right? Uh, you know, it's not necessarily to play the game. It's as much about going there to be with like-minded peers and experience something together, but in their own way, right? They adorn their avatars differently. They do their thing. So you hit on it. Like that is what that mindset wants. It's like, I want to join in on this experience because it's awesome, but my way. I want to see it my way. I want to do it my way. I want to watch what I want to watch. I don't care about the other goalie. I want to see this goalie statistic or whatever it might be. So, and we're, we've all, you know, piloted or been a part of the development of elements of that solution. But I think all the pieces are almost there. Yeah. We, uh, in WC, we say uh, that, you know, the VOD era is not enough. We're stepping into the VOC area, video on command where everything is going to be commanded by the viewer or video on control, if you will. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what you guys at the NHL are building. And, uh, and I think many others in the industry know that this is what's coming. And it's going to be exciting to see the dramatic changes in the next few years.
I agree. To close, if you want to tell us how to find you, how to follow you, or maybe how to follow, you know, the NHL stage is yours. If you I have nothing to share here. You would be, you know, so we spent a lot of time together, but I don't know, at some point when you realize how untech savvy I am <laughs> and my general reticence to live the opposite of everything I just said to some degree is kind of stark. You know, there are reasons why for that, but um, people know how to find me who want to find me and um, well, I'll leave it at that. But um, overall, I just want to say thanks to you guys for hosting this today. It was a ton of fun and I can't wait to see what we do next and where you guys go. You've been pioneers in everything that we've talked about, this whole journey and evolution of where it's going. And I have no doubt that you're going to have a really big place in what's next. Thank you. So has been the NHL been really, you know, at the forefront. So thanks for the kind words and the time. Right. Ken, thank you enough for joining us today and for the partnership. And the last few years of being a great uh, partner, it's been uh been great and we're excited for what comes next there's a lot of things you talked about and things we're working on i should hit you up later and we will see you soon i'm sure there's a nab coming up in a, a couple months we should get together wow what a conversation dave always has a lot to say and really interesting stuff right yeah he's been a true visionary i have, I have an anecdote to share the first meeting i ever attended in wsc you know my first day my first hour was a meeting at the NHL with the, with Dave, uh, where uh, I joined you, Aviv, where you were showing it for the first time. So my time span at WC has been uh, as long as, as we have a relationship with Dave and, and the NHL. So it's uh, closing the loop for me, right? I was going to bring this up right now <laughs> if, you, if you didn't. I didn't know if to bring this up with Dave, but the conversation went so deep into uh, innovation and the new stuff that I didn't want to waste our time. But but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long time friendship, and yeah, since your first day, I remember walking in after the first meeting with John, right? Yeah. yeah so, so so it's uh, you know he's been as we said a real visionary, and I can't wait to see what the NHL does because they're really been very at the forefront with betting partnerships and some of the other stuff they're out there doing uh, doing innovative stuff so it's it's going to be really exciting to see what's next for them yeah we're lucky to take part in it so uh, yeah. lots of stuff coming all right okay this has been great till next time right thanks to all of you for listening if you enjoyed the show please rate us and leave a review or share the show with a friend and if you haven't subscribed yet please do now so that you never miss a new episode we're your hosts i'm shaka and I'm Aviv, where there are known brothers, and this has been Sports Content Kings by WSC Sports. Thank you all for joining and looking forward to seeing you here again in the future.